to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of the hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Hello, my name is Caleb Shively, the other one of the other hosts. Yes, yes, 100%, Caleb. Uh, and just lovely to hear your voice, friend. You know, it's just great to just great to connect yes, with you and talk about movies, Good to hear you Caleb, with you know? such clarity and talking about the genre of film uh, as opposed to the genre of music or the genre of sitting still and looking at a wall. Yeah, true. That's true. Okay, I'll I'll just keep I'll keep the show moving. Um, so every week on Actually Best Choice Movies, we talk about two movies. One of them is old. One of them is new, and they're related, like Rosamund Pike and her teeth. Like pretty related, but also she might lose one every once in a while. How can someone not be related to their teeth? I guess if they're dentures, but they're still their own things. You're related it, to you're them. Related still, to it. Yeah, you're still related to thing. it. Yeah. Yeah. So but it's yeah. two. <laughs> It's two Rosamund Pike movies this week. Um, we're talking about the brand new movie for which she won a Golden Globe. Uh, I care a lot. A Netflix original, I guess, right? Uh, it was bought by Netflix ne- after by it Netflix. premiered at TIFF. So I don't know. Sure, it could. I mean, it premiered in Amazon in Australia, but who cares? I'm just talking now. But who let's cares? say Netflix original. Um, and then 2018 film A Private War, uh, also starring Rosamund Pike, for which she was nominated for a Golden Globe, but did not win. Right crazy how these things work out it's crazy how these things work out some years you're nominated and you don't win some years you're nominated and you do win i mean <laughs> come on what's going on the fickleness and- of award shows <laughs> yes so that's all this week on actually best choice movies Movies. Before we get to any of that, so obviously we're talking about Rosamund Pike, um, and we can talk about her in like just a second. Um, but I just wanted to say, I jokingly this week suggested we talk about the Snyder Cut on the show, which obviously I don't really want to do, but like here we are. And um, I unjokingly shot that down so quick. So but hard. I will grant Chris uh, uh, a minute or so to to, to talk. To yeah, so I'll piece. be like, I'll be super quick. Okay, so like obviously. The people who have been asking for the Snyder Cut for years, like, who cares? Like, what a, what an insane group of toxic people that they're always asking about the Snyder Cut. Like, who cares? It's this superhero movie. Like, what is wrong with you people? Like, and they're so mean to people on Twitter. It's completely insane, right? And then when I heard it was happening, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. This is the worst. It's rewarding all the worst people in the world. And, like, why bother doing something like this? Um, but I, then when it came out, I was like, well, of course I'm going to at least look at it, you know? And I have to say, I was very surprised (laughs) to find that it is like way, way better than the Joss Whedon version. And it just shows there's a lot of the same footage in it, but it just shows how different a movie can be. Because if you don't, if you're not familiar, this movie was completely done by Zack Snyder, who then was forced out of the movie and, or had a tragedy in his family. And they gave it to Joss Whedon, who did the Avengers to finish. And he like reshot supposedly like 75% of the movie. And um, that's the movie that came out, right? And it's just very different. It's It tells you everything you could know about like what a studio wants out of a big tentpole movie. Um, like the difference that when you bring in the music in a scene can make or like when what the color grading is or how you crop the frame and something uh weird choices of background in in certain scenes and like um it's very very interesting and perhaps one a singular experience in film history that are two that there are two complete movies that are basically the same movie but also not the same movie made by two completely different directors and to be able to compare them is just crazy it's very weird it's very very weird I think that is interesting in the sense that this is a like huge budget. They're superhero movies. It's a huge budget. But, you know, I don't care about superhero movies <laughs> yeah, I know too you much. don't care. I know. Uh, but I will say that uh, this is you could watch the Snyder Cut on HBO Max. You could also watch another director's cut on uh, HBO Max. I don't know if director's cut's the right word, but it's the same director. Uh, Kenneth Logren's Margaret. Yes, uh, sure. this, if you go to the special features there, you could watch his actual un, uh, his his preferred cut is in the extras feature, which is uh, three hours long as opposed to the two and a half hours he he sacrificed 30 minutes to the studio and it does there is a difference there is like you know it's a movie about uh an internal world you create for yourself so as you stump for <laughs> superhero superman i'll stump for uh 
the great Anna Paquette in the Kent Bogren's Mar- uh, Margaret, which is a well, movie I really like. That's really interesting because I love um, You Can Count on Me. I think that's like one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. It's so, so great, and I love watching it. So I was very excited to see Margaret, and I, I have always felt like it, it's not a very good movie. But part of that is maybe because I felt like it didn't make sense necessarily, and the things happening in it weren't earned and kind of seemed a little cheesy. So if there's another cut that is more what he was looking to do, I would be I would love to see that. I would love to see Yeah, that. I liked Margaret. I thought it's, you know, very... Uh... A hard movie to portray. So yeah, I'm glad that there is the the other cut that exists in the world that he wants out. But like he's even said, like I still directed the uh, that's the a cut I handed to the studio. Didn't the movie take like movie. nine years to make or something like that? Uh, there was like a thing with Scorsese had to come in and help do something. But yeah, it took a uh, uh, a little bit through hell. But I don't know. I like long, longer and a lot. I think listeners know how much I love uh, Manchester by the Sea. But yeah. It's a yes. you know, cuts are exist. You know, I still, uh, never, I still have never seen that movie. Manchester by the Sea, never seen it. I'm on my third or fourth watch of that. I would love to. I actually kind of forgot I had never seen it. Uh, if we do a Lucas Hedges episode, we'll get into there. <laughs> Speaking of uh, episodes about actors, segue. That's what we're in right now. So these yeah. two movies both star Rosamund Pike, who is, can I say, became famous by being the star of... I mean, she, obviously, she had been in movies for many, many years before that. Yeah, if you want to, like, find the breakout point, you go to Gone Girl. But Gone I don't Girl. know. She, she 2014, did, uh, Gone Girl. But yeah, I would, to give her uh, a couple credits, like, she was... A, like, her first big role was a Bond girl. Like, she went from Bond girl to, like, doing these art house projects. I mean, it's cool that a Bond girl has turned into something like accessible. You go through the history of Bond girls. I mean, uh, that like, is, she did, I, like, yeah. She's yeah. in Die Another Day playing Miranda Frost. And she did, like, before Gone Girl and after the Bond movie, uh, there was, like, an education she was in. I like the movie Barney's Virgin. Pride and she Prejudice. Star, Pride and, and Prejudice. Yeah. And she, like, did these art house movies stacked alongside those money-making studio pictures, Jack Reacher, Wrath of Titan. She was in Johnny English Reborn mm-hmm. also. You know what that's called? It's called work. It's work. She, She's working. She did work. She put Jack in Reacher. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, thank God she had a true breakout in Gone Girl. And holy shit, when you say true breakout, that means that, I like, mean, not huge, only did, Huge like, in culture. Yeah, huge in culture. Nerds like us liked it. She's a movie star. And, and what, since she's done with that, uh, I think I, I would say, a movie's only, what, 2014, you said, Gone 2014, Girl? 2014, yeah. So, we're, like, six years in, and, like, she still has a lot of good stuff under, under her belt. Uh, two Golden Globe dominations, we're going to talk about both those movies. Too. So, but she still has... Uh, a lot of decent movies in there. Uh, and that's probably why uh, we kind of wanted to do that. It's because she is a good actress that maybe like we're not paying attention to. I know I'm not paying attention enough. I should. I've seen, I've seen a United Kingdom uh, with oh, David Oleo. If you choose to marry the leader of an African nation, you will be responsible for the downfall of the British Empire in Africa. You choose a life of insults and shame. I know what you're asking, what it means. And yes, I will marry you. So Rosamund Pike has a huge breakout in Gone Girl. Her next movie is uh, A United Kingdom, her next big movie, right? I feel like she kind of doesn't capitalize on the, like, Gone Girl cachet in the way, like, she doesn't, she obviously doesn't want to become, like, the world's biggest movie star. Because if you look at her projects after that, it's like, yeah, she did A United Kingdom, which is kind of like a drama for adults, but it's like a romance. And then she's in this Marie Curie biopic, which like, okay, maybe that was supposed to be like uh, a theory of everything, but it didn't really hit, right? Mm-hmm. And then she's doing a lot of cartoon voices for like years and years. Right, she's a Moomin. She was in Watership Down, yeah. She's a Moomin. She's, she's, um, uh, she's a narrator in something too. I forget what. She's in Thunderbirds Are Go from 2015 to 2020 as uh, Lady Penelope. Several, actually five or six voices. Like that's, she's doing that constantly. Uh, yeah, she, I mean, she kind of disappeared. I don't know. Like she, you want her to capitalize on it, but like, I don't know, she's... Like she keeps doing work. I don't know. Uh, I think the biggest move she did between Gone Girl and I Care a Lot, which are two pretty similar roles, uh, mm. uh, was this movie we're about to talk about, Private War, which uh, I'm kind of excited to talk about. And there was a movie called Beirut with uh, John Hamm, which John you could Hamm, yeah. stream on Hulu. It's uh, written by Tony Gilroy, who uh, wrote uh, Michael Clayton. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think she's super talented. And uh, after watching I Care a Lot, I was like, oh, uh, of course, she's a movie star, so I'm glad. Uh, it's good to keep tabs on uh, movie stars because uh, they'll always surprise you. And uh, Rosamund Pike, 
what a golden globe who who saw that coming yeah i mean right for this for this movie which i mean is cool it's definitely cool but it's like you know i mean it, it is 2020 and everything but it's like a netflix original you know blah 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 i guess it yeah. would have been in theaters if there had been theaters uh i don't i don't know if netflix did buy it i don't know netflix yeah i guess it's feels true. about putting movies in theaters anymore now that they don't have to um but yeah do you want to get into it you want to get into it yes Sounds fantastic. So our first movie this week is 2021's I Care A Lot. Marla Grayson, you've had amazing success. What's your secret? There is no secret, Peter. She forces them into the home, auctions off their house, and uses the proceeds to pay herself. Because caring is my job. I will grab your dick and balls. And I will rip clean off. I Care A Lot is the new film from writer-director Jay Blakeson. And I just want to stop here to say that that is the letter J. It's not the name J-A-Y. Good clarify. J- Jay Blakeson. Uh, he, his other big credit is he directed a movie called The Fifth Wave in 2016, which apparently made over $100 million and starred Chloe Grace Mortiz. But I, I have never heard of that movie before. Have, have, have you, Caleb? Uh, I have heard of it, but I wasn't, I I didn't see it. I am familiar with his other, uh, feature film, uh, the disappearance of Alice Creed, but go on, go on. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. So, um, and thanks for your opinion. I do appreciate that. Um, it stars Rosamund Pike as Marla Grayson, who's ironically called a caretaker. Uh, really what she does is she works with these crooked doctors to identify rich old people that she can have declared unable to take care of themselves then they become her legal responsibility and she steals all their money and like kidnaps them basically and puts them in an old folks home and she does this all the time right uh but then one day she messes with the wrong person (laughs) it's diane weist who's great playing jennifer pearson it turns out she's super super rich because her sons were into like the russian mafia and one of them played by uh peter dinklage is like super pissed that his mom has been kidnapped by Rosamund Pike. And then it becomes this kind of three-way battle between the three of them. You know, I would say one of the flaws of the movie is that um, it doesn't, it's not really sure who it wants you to root for, for a lot of the movie. Uh, And then I don't know that I agree with the choices that it makes. Um, But, you know, it definitely was a fun movie in a lot of ways. I have some kind of conceptual problems with it. Uh, Caleb, what, what did you think about this? Uh, you know, it aims for a perverse sense of humor, and sense of humor is always subjective. And I think it hits that aim close enough, and it does that through uh, really selling the actual darkness in the humor and the stark reality of actual, the true nature of uh, how we don't care about old people <laughs> in America and how uh, these things can slip through the cracks and how uh, this system can uh you can take advantage from so that horrible truth mixed with a super stylized uh way approach uh and they kind of i don't know like you're saying like who 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 you're rooting for in this movie because everyone's a horrible person uh i would say she's an antagonist uh in this movie and for the most of the movie we watch her succeed uh uh and then you know it goes back and forth once Peter Dinklage more comes in but you know what we essentially get in this movie is uh, an elder care grifter versus a drug lord and how they fight each other and uh, it doesn't really say anything other than hey watch two bad people fight and that's kind of cool and like if you have to appreciate like I once I like tune myself into that wavelength more than the actual other interesting things about this movie, I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. But yeah, it's a fun movie. It's a fun. So I mean, I think what the movie is. I mean, I have a few things I want to say. Right. So one yeah, of the it's things a lot, it's a lot to unpack. Right. So one yeah. of the things about this movie that it kind of pisses me off is, um, so there's a very famous New Yorker article from 2006, 17 by Rachel Aviv called "How It's on Online." The headline is "How the Elderly Lose Their Rights," and it's basically this is the reason anybody knows about this caretaker thing uh and there's a the central character of the article is very very similar to the uh, rosamund pike character and there's even some scenes that happen in the article that are kind of in the movie like the scene where diane weist uh is just sitting at home having a normal afternoon and rosamund pike knocks at the door and says like you've been declared incompetent and we're taking you to the hospital right now (laughs) like get the hell out of your house um that that that's a scene in this article but like 
the movie is not officially an adaptation of the article. They didn't buy the rights to it, and they like pretend that it has nothing to do with the article. He, they got Jay Blakeson has given all these interviews where he's like, "Oh yeah, I've just been reading all sorts of stuff about this. You know, it's just like real crazy." And as as somebody who is like trying to option his article into a film, that did piss me off because they just like stole all the shit from this article and didn't give it any credit or money, which uh, sucks. yeah, it sucks. It also like you could. It really is just more of the background at point. I think that stuff's very interesting. Uh, and if you are interested in it, I would go totally recommend seeing the uh, New York Times Britney Spears documentary they put out that touches a lot on uh, uh, legal rights to guard, uh, to, to, to people. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it kind of just uses that as a, to hang your hat on. Like, okay, now that just introduces the, uh, the mafia character. But, but see. So it really is like nothing it really affects the movie right you're saying it's just the like the MacGuffin of the movie not even a MacGuffin. it's but uh, see i disagree i disagree with that caleb because it I th- really is more about two people fighting each other than it's about two people that. fighting each other it's supposed to be like a zany movie about these two strong-willed people it fighting that, each yeah, other. Yeah. it is that right um but i i to me it's like i read this article and it's it's so awful and the article takes place in florida this movie takes place kind of like question mark it doesn't really like it kind of looks like New York, or I mean, do they ever actually say where it's supposed to be? I thought it was like uh, upstate New York, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think they don't really ever say. But um, it's just so awful, and all the stuff that she does is so awful. Rosamund Pike's character, and I know it's so. I the setup is supposed to be like she's an antihero, you know, like she does bad stuff, but like we're like rooting for her for some reason, you know. Um, but I just feel like that stuff is like so nasty that i had a really hard time rooting for her character because like the thing that she wants to do is like kidnap old ladies and lock them up and steal all their money and and she over the course of the movie gets meaner and meaner to the old lady till she's like got her locked in a room and 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 this should be funny and it should be good (laughs) anti-hero stuff but like i just personally found it like it made me feel crazy. I hated her so much. Like I, I hated this character. And then we're supposed to be like rooting for her to win because everybody see, who doesn't like her I is coded as the bad guy. I think. See, I don't think we're supposed to be rooting for her to win. I think you're supposed to be rooting for her. I think you're supposed to be uh, watching two bad people fight each other. It says uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. It's monsters fighting. Uh, that's kind of a cool premise for the, for uh, a movie. Uh, I, highly doubt he's trying to make his character likable it's she's a truly terrible person uh but you know she actually seems like a fun person it's uh, <laughs> uh the kind of terrible person who like thinks she can do something confidently and like no one will ask questions like she's exposing a loophole and part of the loophole is and that loophole is we don't care about elder care we don't care about old people and like the way she you and this is where it gets muddled this message is that she uses this female empowerment stance too like basically she's nurse ratchet from uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest someone who's in charge of caring for people but uh in a girl boss sheen you know uh and yeah it's a horrible person and like the whole movie i'm rooting for her to get comeuppance and then we meet uh, a drug lord who could possibly give her a comeuppance and you know he's also equally horrible thing but at least he's played by peter dinklage yeah, I mean, Peter Dinklage is great in this movie. It, it's great. But, I mean, I do think that there's a whole level to this movie that you are not accessing, Caleb, which is like... What? No. Yeah. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> I'm accessing the level. You can't access it. What you're accessing... Here's what you said earlier, is that, like, this movie eschewed uh, not talking about an article, and I agreed with that. And now you're saying it should have, and I'm saying, yeah, it d- totally didn't want to do that. It totally just doesn't want to be a movie a movie about elder care it wants to be a movie it's well yeah no that isn't that isn't actually what i was going to say that i actually was not even going to talk about that at all because i just we each had our say on that and i don't intend to i know i just said i just repeated what you're saying so what are you going to say this is something something? totally different well it's kind of related because i okay the elder care thing Right, it is kind of a MacGuffin in a way, although I do think the movie spends a lot of time on the mechanics of her stealing people's grandmothers and like, it takes up a lot of the movie, you know? You can't say that it's just like, it's not just where they're like, you gotta find the box. And then they the box is like barely mentioned again. It's like the movie is like, there's like six court scenes and there's all, she's always like dealing with, she's got 
clients everywhere and half of the movie takes place in an old folks home i mean it kind of is what the movie is about yeah so like i don't know it reminded me a lot of better call saw in that way where it shows the process of what uh uh, uh an anti-hero actually does and uh does a slow burn with it uh but then you know it gets to the actual uh movie it's trying to portray and then we're off to more races and then there's a lot of fun to be had there which i don't know what you're still telling me i missed I'm not saying you missed it. I'm not saying you missed you, it. But you, I, said, you, said, you said you told me I missed something. Well, no, this I didn't get to that. I didn't get to that. I didn't. I just yeah. I'm you got me thinking. Me you got me thinking about something else. And so then I said that thing. Um, no, the thing that you're missing. I just think there's a kind of weird level to this movie where it's like, um, and there are lots of articles. Like if you go, so I would just just a minute ago googled um, I care a lot, girl boss, and there's like so many pieces around. So there's a Salon article about that. There's a Ms. Magazine, Pop yeah, Dust. had a good one. Yeah, yeah, go the on. The Crimson, The Economist. Go on, yeah. What's your point? Well, so I think one of the main, one of the things this movie is doing is it's like, this is the thing, is it can't decide whether it's celebrating or skewering this kind of like, in the words of Salon, neoliberal girl boss. Like, because it's like, she's, she, all the people that are trying to destroy her are men. And they're all coded in this way where it's like, Right at the beginning of the movie, she's got a speech. She's like, does it hurt that you got beaten by a woman just because of what I got between my legs? You think I can't beat you in the courtroom? And there's like a million scenes like that. There's a scene where a scummy lawyer is like, so this doctor, he, actually the lawyer's a she. And there's like, there's at least 10 scenes like this, okay? And and even I would say casting Peter Dinklage as the main heavy in the film, it's it's part of that. It's part of a comment on masculinity and this whole thing. So it's kind of like it kind of like you are on her side because she's standing up to all these sexist bad people and they're all awful, all the people that want to destroy her. But at the same time, I feel like she is too bad. Like I don't want her to succeed because the thing she's doing is so bad, you know? Like Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was just saying is I don't know why you say I've missed it. I'm saying like, yeah, she's a, they portrayed as a girl bus, but that's where it got clunky and misunderstood, where she's just a horrible person. Like uh, she ruins people's lives and you're just waiting for her to get comeuppance and it doesn't really happen and that's ultimately the failure of the movie uh, but yeah I don't think I missed that at all I think I read the same exact things you did okay all right okay great 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 I'm sorry I thought I from what you were saying you were saying quicker. more about you just were talking about how you didn't think um, it was just like a fun battle between two bad people but I'm that's saying that's the way I enjoyed the movie uh, throughout the uh, the uh, the course of it i think that's the i don't know to enjoy the performance of the actors like i i, I always say it but uh, performances get you through movies and that's it's what true, really yeah. sold me through this movie uh and i don't know uh, to to get on a more actual the movie level of it uh roman lunyov the i don't know i thought the casting appeared in clinch i get what you're saying yeah it, it, it is interesting that to cast him as uh, a comment on it but also cast good actors in your movie. I mean, he's yeah. a great actor. He's, he's a, a great, great actor. actor. He's a great, yeah, and he's, he's just one, honestly, he's, he's doing best, so yeah. much with the material in this movie. Uh, it was one of those things where like, oh, this is a nothing character on paper. Uh, yeah. I'm glad they got someone fun and interesting to be it. <laughs> and what it is, is like, he's a mob. He's a drug lord. He's a drug pig kingpin. So he uses actual violence as opposed to uh, Marla Grayson, the uh, right. Rosamund Pike character, who's using more institutionalized vi- violence. I think I was looking for more of that. Like she, he actually like sends people to beat her up, her, her girlfriend up. Yeah. Uh, he actually uses violence and she uses the the home that his mother's in to like, that stuff's really dark was when uh, the, his mother's Diane Weiss. And she like numbs her brain basically with pills and like takes away her food privileges. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Stuff that is so shit bad. is so fucked up. Yeah. That's why like if this, he was trying to like, Oh, girl boss's way through like no this person's horrible which yeah those people are allowed to be horrible everyone's horrible in the world (laughs) yeah i mean yeah fair yeah she's so mean and bad and there's a scene where right where um peter dinklage has like threatened her in some way or beaten her up or something something's happened and so uh rosamund pike goes and meets with diane weist and she's like you're never getting out of here alive like you nobody's coming for you i'm in control of your life and kiss it kiss everything goodbye and then she does have her like confined to her room and like taking away all her food and all this stuff um and it's like 
yeah, I'm not rooting for her to succeed in any way, shape, or form, you know? Yeah, you're rooting for, like, yeah, that's why I thought it was cool when an actual, uh, someone could hurt her. I was like, oh, cool, she's fucked with the mob now. But then, like, I don't know, she's smart enough to, like, get back at the mob in a couple ways, and, I don't know, there's a, there's a fun, sh- I don't know if it's fun, but a, a, a decent action s- sequence uh, that's set in an old folks home. We're like, oh, you don't yeah. see those a lot. There's a bunch day. of yeah. There's like a gunfight and an oxygen tank goes flying around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it really <laughs> is just a a mean like get on this wavelength of a movie, and it's I don't know, kind of fun that she won a gold yeah. globe from it. Gold globes are stupid, <laughs> but like, it might as well crazy, award. Right? This is like some dumb fun that we're having, so might as well give it to this. <laughs> yeah it's completely insane but i mean rosamund pike you gotta say like even what i'm saying about like i I'm, obviously i just keep talking about the character which i'm talking we're talking about the mm-hmm. writing and the direction and the editing but like her performance as this woman is amazing and that's part of yeah, why yeah, i hate this absolutely character sounds, so yeah. much is that yeah. she's so good in the movie she makes you question your feelings which is i don't know that's what true art does i that's she does that for her performance uh i yeah i i loved her in this movie i probably wouldn't have liked this movie uh, but I don't know. She makes it special. It really is a decent watch because of uh, good acting. And like I, I think I said earlier that it's closer to her Gone Girl role, uh, which, man, if she could just break that out every once in a while, yeah, right. <laughs> like she could be a, like, I don't know, more movies in general, but who maybe she's doing what she wants to do, she's which is what fine. She wants to do, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's just this totally cold in this way. Right. And just lying. Like, so yeah, it's like you in the audience know she's lying. Like obviously all acting is lying, but you're like watching someone lie with no emotion. It's a really unique acting thing to do, I guess. Right. It's pretty yeah. interesting. Uh, a cold remove. Yeah. It's yeah, so cold acting. So yeah. Cold. Uh, but there are other people in this movie besides these two people we oh, mentioned yeah. and i think uh, we mentioned diane weiss too but i think there's a lot of like fun ca- like character actors i love character actors alicia uh, witt is in the movie alicia witt yeah 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 uh, she's the uh, uh the doctor uh, the crooked doctor i was gonna doctor. say a linkage the, the linked up doctor who helps her get away with stuff uh i'm a big fan of uh macon blair who was in blue ruin and uh, jeremy Saunier's movies uh he's uh He's the guy at who's uh, his mother at the beginning. His mother. Oh yeah. Uh, gets. Uh, she's responsible, the legal guardian for his mother, and they're in court together. And then he comes back later on in the movie. Uh, that's all I'll say there. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is the judge. Yes. Uh, yeah. Probably he's uh, another bad character. Like he's. He's great. One of the things like oh this guy sucks, but like, like through a fun enough. Well, it's another interesting thing about this movie, like versus reality, whatever. I'm I'm just so hung up on the reality of this, having read the article. Um. But like, and having old parents that live in Florida. But it's interesting that the movie makes the choice that the judge is not portrayed as being crooked. He's just portrayed as being like self-important and easily fooled. Easily fooled, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting choice. Swayed, I mean, yeah. I think in reality the judges were also crooked. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, the only kickback was for the Alicia Witt character too. Oh no, there. Uh, the, another big kickback character was uh, the old folks' home run by yes. uh, the super slimy character actor Damian Young. Uh, maybe most known for uh, the comeback. He was the wife in the comeback, but he was like Pete and Pete, uh, a guy who should be a more of a character actor. I think his career is turning out that way. No offense to him, but he should do it. Uh, Chris Messina playing a super slimy lawyer here. He's great. He's really good. He's he's very good in this movie. Uh, I don't know. He's in tons of stuff. You know, Chris Messina, he directs things too. But yeah, I don't know. In general, like a fun black comedy, but you, if you're overly empathetic like me, you might get hung up on how awful <laughs> Rosamund Pike is and have a hard time with it. Overly empathetic like me, you still just be like, like what the hell is what we doing? Then you just like, once you realize that you're, once I realize that like I was getting involved, like like what the hell's happening here? Like oh wait, shut up, this is a movie, let's have fun. <laughs> yeah, once, I, I had to like stop myself, like okay, let's just enjoy this movie for one of the. I was telling Caleb before the show started, yeah, I actually got in a fight with Catherine about this movie a little bit because I was basically so worked up and mad at Rosamund Pike's character the entire movie. And like you say, you just watch her succeed over and over again, uh, even though she's doing like the world's most awful things. And Catherine said something like, oh, that was fun. And I just went like, no. (laughs) And she was like, God, you don't have to be so mean about it. (laughs) Yeah, fun can be a bunch of different things. Uh, And this is, I guess, my segue to the next movie could be 
uh, spending two hours watching uh, war-torn Syria oh <laughs> in a movie, oh uh, which there is a lot of stuff to like about our next movie, uh, A Private War. I hate being in a war zone. But I also feel compelled to see it for myself. Because you're addicted to it. If you use the sat phone, those drones will know where we are. We don't have time! No one in their right mind would do what you do. She needs to get the hell out of there. We have to go back. We will die if we go back. Real life. Marie Colvin was a celebrated war correspondent, an American journalist who worked as a foreign affairs correspondent for the British newspaper The Sunday Times. She specialized in covering the Middle East, covering conflicts in Chechnya, Kosovo, Sri Lanka, many others. And this film, A Private War, covers a lot of this, as well as the effects the job and all of its included hardships affected her mental state and her motivations for the job itself. This all comes to the story of her coverage of the siege in home Syria, where we will ultimately spoil the movie for you. But also, real life, this is a true story, so what's really spoiled here? Uh, Director Matthew Heinemann is a very well-established documentarian, so in this, his first narrative feature, he sticks to the truth. Chris, let me hear you talk. Hey, so A Private War, um, as you may or may not know about me, I'm a real sucker for a movie about movies about journalists. You know, I work at big <laughs> media organizations, and in particularly, I work at big British media organizations. I was going to say British, yeah. British media. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So she's, uh, she was a, a columnist with the Sunday times, which is like a huge, huge paper in, in London and in England. Uh, there's a bunch of, it's, it takes place in the early two thousands mostly. And there are lots of scenes in the newsroom of the Sunday times. And I have to say like, it looks exactly like the FT newsroom looked like when I used to work at the FT. So that was like great for me. I was super into that. Um, yeah. You know, when I was a little kid, um, shattered glass was like my favorite movie, <laughs> not a for little sure. kid, but like in high school. Um, so yeah, I was just totally a sucker for this movie. I thought it was great. Um, it did take me about 30 minutes to realize, like, I wasn't really sure what was happening. Like it was, mm-hmm. it's just like, it, he's a documentarian. It's his first narrative film. And it's a lot of great sequences of her being in war-torn places, meeting refugees and meeting the victims of war. And like, then just like, she's at a party and then she's like crying. And then she's mm-hmm. like at a different war zone. And then she's like having a fancy lunch. And after about 30 minutes, I was like, wait, is there like, I guess there's like, this is the plot, <laughs> you know? Like, Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to like about this movie, but there's no big point to moment, really. Uh, I mean, the closest, like, big climactic moment is a climactic CNN interview. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. uh, but like I think Anderson com- Cooper being like, mm, <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. But that, yeah, like it comes from, you know, I think the director's, Matthew Heinemann's uh, following the truth. He's a, an incredible documentary filmmaker. Uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen Cartel Land, which was nominated for an Oscar. Absolutely stunning movie. Uh, that was him. He's done a couple other City of Ghosts I would recommend. Uh, but with his first narrative feature, he really tries to tap into uh, the frame of mind of a person, uh, which is, you know, commendable, but also impossible to get to a person's mind. It's just a lot of Rosamund yeah. Pike, like, sitting yeah. on, I, shot from these really weird low angles yeah. and, like, walking over the camera in her underwear and then, like, flopping around on the bed, <laughs> like, spazzing out. No, I guess you shouldn't yeah. say spazzing out, but, like, flopping around, yeah. you know. So it's a decent enough portrait of her mind and, like, how she always puts her work first, like, how this amazing person, Marie Colvin, put her work first. Uh, but they established that early and then we just get to hit that same beat over and over <laughs> again. Uh, but it's great work from Rosamund Pike. Like it's, uh, like, um, it's great. Like, it's just great. At least from the last movie we covered, I care a lot to this and even other movies. Like, holy shit, she is just a phenomenal actress. Well, I mean, the and range just physically, right? Like, she looks completely mm-hmm. different in this movie than she looks in I Care A Lot. Uh-huh. Oh, what? yeah. Uh, where's Eye Patch? <laughs> where's an Eye Patch? But you know what I mean? Like, her, yeah, yeah, her yeah. body language is totally different. And in, in, in yeah. I Care A Lot, she's supposed to look, like, really thin and fit and, you know, like, sexy and intimidating. And in this movie, she's just supposed to look, like, thin and frail. Worn and down. you realize that's yeah, the yeah. same body type. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just shot uh, differently. And here she's honoring a real-life person. And uh, it's also offering, you know, a kind of a gut check on the sacrifices of journalists in general on the front yeah. line, which is an insane job just to like really put that burden out there on herself just on that idea because the movie is basically about 
being a war correspondent and like, why do you keep going back into the war zone to be a war correspondent? And does it make any difference? And is it just because of some like mental problem that you have? So, and that's a very interesting question and it's real. I mean, it's real. These are real people that do this. This is based on a true story. And like one time I did like go to this uh, thing in the Bronx at this uh, photography center where they had a training for war correspondents. And I wrote about it for the all. It's like one of my best things I ever wrote. And not to brag, but it is. It's like one of like three good things I have hey, ever. You have to be proud of your thing. Work. Um, and it was just really interesting to get to talk to all these war correspondents about why sure. they do it. And and th this was interesting because the the thing was an emergency medicine class, and they were teaching you all sorts of stuff. Like, um, literally, they were saying like, "What if somebody has a hole in their skull and you can see their brain? Like, should you blow the dust off or should you just like not touch it?" And or they would be they would tell you what kind of clothes to wear like don't like only wear natural fibers don't wear like polyester or something because in a fire it will melt to you and that's like way worse and they had to like do this thing where they were doing like imaginary they had these dummies that were full of blood and they would have to do first aid on them and stuff it was like very intense and these doctors were leading these great conversations um but it, to talk to them i mean it, it was a little bit of a confirmation bias because these were people at uh like a, a first aid class but a lot of them had the particular like mental not mental illness or whatever, but their way they thought about it was um, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I'm safe, you know, within this crazy situation. And of course I talked to lots of people who've been injured or kidnapped or something. And even you hear the stories of people who are killed and they all were kind of, they thought they were being safe and those things happened to them anyway. Mm -hmm. So like that, that was something I kept thinking about was like, that's kind of part of the mindset too, is like, you just think you have control over this situation, even though you know, it's completely uncontrollable. You just have somehow you think in your mind, like I will do what's right and I will be okay. And, and you just keep going back again and again and again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to, uh, yeah, to, Bring it back to the movie uh, a little bit, but yeah, it's but that's what the about, movie's yeah. about. That's what oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About. So talk about Marie Colvin a little yeah. bit, uh, and Rosamund Pike just does. It is like a, a real life person, and she reminds us the context of this is a real life. Uh, I think there's a, the best parts of this movies are the quieter moments. Uh, like she's always under pressure, and, and it's because she's coping with PTSD, which is very valid, and. Also, she has, she's a journalist. She has values she's upholding to tell the truth. She has a great line about the rough draft of history that we're yeah. living in. Uh, I think the does, uh, the misses of that, though, are, uh, which I don't know, I kind of, uh, they portray her as a little bit of an alcoholic. Like, she drinks vodka a lot, but also, like, I was okay with that. I, I think they kind of wanted it to be a problem, but I was like, this is fine that she It seemed fine, drinking. right? Yeah, I think the more addicted thing and a more interesting story there was that she's addicted to her job and like she wants yeah. to see these. Like she says outright, she's she wants to see these things so other people don't have to. I thought that was like super interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in general, there's a lot of room for story. Uh, like you're doing uh, the the places she covers as well as this internal struggle, and they do like a lot of flashbacks in different locations, and they cram a lot of story in there. There's Jamie Dornan plays Paul, her, yeah. her, her war photographer. Uh, she has an ex-husband. She has a new love interest. Family uh, what up, Tucci. Tooch? What up, Tooch? <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, I, it was so. It was so, so such a breath of fresh air to see Stanley Tucci in this movie. And I just <laughs> kept thinking, like, like why is he in this movie exactly? I was almost like I was like, did he know the real Marie Colvin or something? Is he just wanted to be in it? For, yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. He was great though. He was great as her new yeah. extremely rich boyfriend. <laughs> I like this movie, but overall, like, it's a lot of storyline to fit into a movie. And so everything comes across kind of condensed. Uh, and when you're trying to craft a story out of all these real life things that happen, I believe that word ends up being contrived, which is an insult, which I don't want to insult this movie. Yeah. Uh, but also to like under underline that uh, this is just a, a own personal taste. And uh, I probably am a little bit mad at myself for even bringing it up, but it is underlined by... Uh, uh, Universal Studios comes up when you first watch it. Ba -ba -ba. So there's a studio backing in there. And I tried looking into the budget of this movie and it wasn't really easy to find. I, I found something around 18 to 20 million. Uh, so it's nice to see a big studio spending money on a, an adult movie like this. That's cool. And there is like money well spent. And uh, I'll get into the more craft stuff in a minute. But I don't know. As, as a, in, in a movie set against uh, a very real timely war, you do get some of the echoes of 
CGI big explosions happening. That yeah, just, some of them are Doesn't... some of them are bad. Some of them I like. I I like the scene where they're driving in the homes at night through the trucks, and there's like uh, snipers are shooting at them, and there's like really bright lights, and then they turn the trucks lights off. And I, I thought that scene was shot cool, but like because it was very um, it made me feel very in danger and claustrophobic, and things just seem to be happening everywhere with no rhyme or reason. And I think that's a big part of what it must be like to to be in a war zone. This is a part where I could talk about the technical aspects a little bit because uh, I didn't know he shot this, and then I saw his uh, credit come up, and I got super excited to watch this. This is shot. The cinematography is done by the great Robert Richardson, absolute fucking legend. Uh, I mean, of course, Caleb, I know all of his films, but for the benefit of the listener, yeah. would you like to say? Um, so I don't know. He's known for a lot of uh, movement in his cameras. He works with a lot of visual directors. Uh, he works with uh, Oliver Stone. Uh, uh, Martin Scorsese, he won two, three Oscars. He won for JFK and then Scorsese's Aviator and Hugo, working in 3D. Uh, he also does a lot of uh, Quentin's movies since Kill Bill. So a lot of visual directors. And he's also worked with these directors after they established themselves, which is, I think, really fucking awesome. That means he understood like what their visual is. He wants to do bold work. And he is just a phenomenal... He does so many tricks. Uh, he also doesn't care about being famous. Like he, he just wants to do good work with good, good directors. Uh, like I said, he does a lot of fun movement. Uh, he's known for uh, a lot of uh, unrealistic lighting, which is just, you know, think of Quentin Tarantino. movies like, Oh, they just, the characters just sing in those frames. Yeah. Uh, I fucking love Rob Richardson. I think uh, I, uh, knowing this and then seeing, looking at his uh, early work, uh, through IMDb and the internet, uh, he started off in documentary filmmaking. Uh, so I feel like this is maybe a little bit of a passion project for him. And I don't know, there is some competent, a lot of competent cinematography in this movie. Uh, like you just have to frame Rosamund Pike in action or in a regress and, you know, make it interesting or like make some of it is really interesting and some of it is kind of totally insane. Like, yeah, yeah it I, is I, part I, of like, it elevates the glamour of it, which, like I said, it kind of like irked me a little bit but hey it also times didn't and uh, i got i don't know maybe i also was paying too close attention to <laughs> cinematography other than stories that far well so this actually speaking you were you were talking a minute ago about how it's hard to find the budget of this movie and it is hard to find the budget usually the usual places that will tell you the budget of the movie don't have it yeah not um, on mdb not on wikipedia not yeah, I couldn't yeah exactly it. not on box office mojo yeah. um I, where where did you even find it uh, I'd have to go with my Google tab history. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I think one of the reasons it's impossible to find the budget of this movie is that it was such a huge flop. Like yeah. it only made just under $4 million. Like mm -hmm. if you look at the, like it's the opening, a, a lot of this movie takes place in England. It's seen, it's about Europe and stuff. It seems like a very English centric movie yeah. and it only made like, seven hundred thousand dollars in england total which is like crazy i just it uh, seems so i'm sure that they have hidden the budget because they don't want to admit how much money they lost on this movie i would tend to agree with that i also feel like part of the budget was sent to get her the actual golden globe nomination uh yeah, right. which uh was uh i looked it up it was a glenn close win for the wife uh really should have been mccarthy winning for can you ever forgive me oh yeah oh it was yeah. that year oh yeah for sure yeah. she's so but, good in uh, that movie yeah but that was the also the oscar went to olivia coleman in the favorite which that's cool but yeah uh i, I thought she's really good i think i don't hate that she was nominated for awards for i'm glad that award yeah uh made me think about this movie and like i said there's a lot of cool things about this movie i like <laughs> it's a very like 2010 movie in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah and it sucks because it's a made in 2018 <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean it's a movie whose yeah. main message is like bad stuff is happening in the middle east and you're like well yeah okay i mean definitely <laughs> i definitely agree yeah uh, I mean that stuff was interesting. Like, uh, like her uh, Marie Colvin, her, the reporting revealed that the Syrian government was actually targeting right. civilians, yeah. uh, which is holy shit. And then uh, when I re read the fallout, I don't, I don't think they even maybe they didn't have this information at the time of the, the release. But uh, the lawyers representing uh, Marie Colvin's family filed a civil action lawsuit against the government of the Syrian Arab Republic. Because of the proof that the Syrian government had directly ordered an assassination on her. So a judge uh, ruled on this and found the Syrian government guilty of the assassination. Uh, 
So, and this is mind-bogglingly huge amount of money. <laughs> they awarded wow. the Colvin family three hundred and two million. Wow. In damages, uh, I'm sure they're using that for good. As that I mean, I would. My question would be: Did the Syrian government ever like actually pay it? You That's know? also a good question. 2019, they probably paid three hundred two million, uh, less than zero percent of that. <laughs> probably, I would guess, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it is very good, and the movie is, and you're like you said, he's a the director is a documentary filmmaker cartel land is like his big mm-hmm. documentary Great and movie, yeah. it definitely is taking trying to show you why it's important to know about things going on else elsewhere in the world mm-hmm. and it and it is i totally agree with that obviously i work in the media but it's sometimes it is a little bit like to follow the movie's logic you have to put like a lot of faith in the media like you were saying there's the climactic scene where she's interviewed on anderson cooper and it's like supposed to be like she's she's literally risking her life to do this report on anderson cooper like you know that the like the very next thing anderson cooper said was like okay coming up next he's got the biggest (laughs) butt on facebook we're gonna talk to you know it's like you have to believe it's so important to be on anderson cooper tonight but it's like "Mm, is it really that important you know (laughs) was it really worth her life to be on anderson cooper tonight talking about this I'll say this about the logic of the movie because it is like they're cho- biting off a lot, but it is easy enough to follow, and there's a through line through it. And they do a good enough job of clim- making that seed climactic. But that's all they had in the. Uh, it's so I think that's a pretty good editing job. And I did look into the editor, and I was pleased as punch to learn it was Nick Fenton. He did one of the greatest TV shows ever, Nathan Barley from Chris Morris. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. No, I the haven't. Funniest seen it. show ever. Uh, it's like all the jokes about 2008 Williamsburg, but it was made in like 2004 about London. The best. <laughs> cool. Uh, he, Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, Nick Fenton also was the editor for a lot of Richard Iwade's movies. Uh, I would recommend this movie called The Selfish Giant. So he's an English direct, uh, English editor. Uh, but yeah, just uh, in a very mo- hard movie to edit, I, edit, I imagine, with especially a lot of, uh, hey, we must get this scene in there. A lot of like, hey, we got paint by numbers. Hard to make it a... Uh, auteur piece of editing if you will but it was uh, a coherent enough movie and easy enough to watch uh yeah it was it was kind of an easy watch right and there's Mm -hmm. several scenes where there's like Mm -hmm. people in fancy clothes like going to nice events or like having a big fun party mixed in with the absolute horror scenes yeah but like i said like my favorite parts of this movie were is like the quieter moments where she's talking about actual journalism and like yeah uh like the rough draft of history thing Uh, a great line i think she said was I think stupid is writing about the dinner party you went to last night. Like someone had the gall to come up to Marie Colvin and asked her about like writing about war. And she's like, I think it's stupid to write about this a dinner party. <laughs> yeah, Fucking right. called him up to her face. It was awesome. I mean, it is cool, dude. People like I haven't been lucky enough in my life to meet people like this. And they are, they fucking rule. They're really great. They're doing something that's really admirable. I mean, I was talking about that thing that I did, right? Where I, I went to this thing and, and a bunch of those people had just like, gone to the middle east like like we see in this movie marie colvin smuggles herself into iraq to get Mm -hmm. to be able to cover the war like people do that people do that all the time and i was talking to these people at this thing and they were like you're a writer like you should just do it you should just go just go to iraq like right now you should just go and i was i did think about it a little bit and then i was like i just don't think i can do that dude i just don't think i can do that's hard I mean, but just it's like to... I respect the people who do it so much, and mm-hmm. it is does definitely require you to be crazy because literally, I mean, like, I could have done it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing, there's no reason I couldn't have done it. Yeah. Like, I could have just done it, but it just seemed like completely insane <laughs> to do something like that. I think this private war kind of make, is a love letter to that, and also uh, is an agreement with that. Like, it is insane to do. Uh, I, mean, I guess uh, I, I did promise we'd spoil it for you. Uh, she dies in, she dies. after she Syria, killed, right? like. After well, I guess you said interview, about her yeah. getting assassinated by the Syrian government. Oh, I did say that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, they targeted her, and that's this movie ends. I, and I, thankfully, this movie ends right there. We don't get a super long, drawn out, uh, sad song playing over, or like a funeral scene or something. Yeah. Or yeah, all of her family Not members like, finding yeah. out that she's dying or something. Uh, I was going to make fun of the Avengers or Captain America funeral scene, but I really couldn't remember anything specific <laughs> from it. <laughs> I'm surprised you've even seen it, Caleb. Hey, I see those movies reluctantly, but I still see them. Okay, well, that's cool. Um, I want to see p- people do work. I love, I love work. One important thing I referenced obliquely, but I would just like to get on the record officially, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
is that in both of these movies, Rosamund Pike reaches into her mouth and pulls out an entire tooth with the root still intact. And then in, in I Care A Lot, she drops it in a jug of milk and it becomes a whole thing and they put it back in her mouth. In this, it's just gone. But like, what are the fucking odds, Caleb? <laughs> like, That's very true. The rain, again, completely different characters. The range on Rosamund Pike. Completely. But it's just something she is into. She's like, look, if I'm going to be in this movie, at some point in the movie, I need to reach into my mouth and pull out an entire tooth with the root. So uh, you want to go, you want to move on to the end yeah, of the, the, end yeah, of the yeah. show? So Caleb, like these movies, two great films, uh, but let's say you had to pick one or you were going to be locked up in an old folks home until you die. <laughs> which which of these movies would you pick? Uh, you know, I uh, think both these movies are worth the time. Uh, I care a lot. Ultimately, it eschews any chance for social satire to instead focus on the misadventures of Marla Grayson and it's very well constructed and super stylish. Look, that's different. perfectly put. That's perfectly yeah. put. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yes, two terrific lead performances, and it wears its meanness on its sleeve. And you know, it's not a movie for everyone, which is kind of cool. Uh, but I don't know. I was impressed by *A Private War*, uh, a movie I honestly looked at her IMDb page and was like, okay, here's a couple uh, movies of hers I didn't see, and we almost went with *Beirut*. But I'm glad we went with *A Private War* because I thought it was. Just a good, solid adult movie that I'm probably going to be less and less of as we go forward. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, absolutely, I, uh, if I'm going to judge these movies by performances, they're both great performances, but I'm going to go with a private war. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I was thinking the exact same thing coming into it, but talking about the movies more on the show, I was like, well, I guess there were a lot of problems with the private war. But um, I agree. Like After having watched the two of them, I, I just was thought the private war like you're saying it's a good high budget movie for adults about serious topics and like god bless rosamund pike for being in a movie like that you know it's not fantastically done but it's like pretty well done and it's obviously very sincerely done and i enjoyed watching it a lot whereas i care a lot is i mean you put it perfectly like it instead of being a social satire, it becomes this kind of cartoon of these two bad guys, like spy versus spy trying to get each other. It's very, very cartoony at a certain point, you know, like I'm saying her teeth are falling out and she's getting like driving off a cliff. And like, they're like, people are getting shot with tranquilizer darts. It's like a completely nuts movie at a certain Mm -hmm. point, but it, it, but I think it doesn't quite go nuts enough because the tone stays very serious, even as the events become increasingly cartoonish. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. So yeah, I will also go with The Private War. Great movie. Nobody heard of it. Nobody saw it. It only made $3 million. Go check it out. It's free on Amazon. <laughs> it really is. Uh, uh, uncut gem. Uh, maybe we should do more movies like that sometime. Sure, sounds great. I'm into that. Let's <laughs> yeah, just do good movies. Let's just do good movies. Um, that was, was a great episode. It's so nice to talk to you, Caleb. Like, wow, yes. what a great job we did. We did. We, we made it through. We made it through. Peace. I Cut everything out. Cut 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 my whole part of the episode out, Caleb. It's fine with me. <laughs>